Welcome back to another service here at the Altar of Noise. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by my fellow music believer, my good friend Simon. Simon, my good friend, how are you? I'm good, Josh. I'm good. <laughs> are you, mate? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's really been, tired. It's been an excruciatingly challenging few weeks. It has in been. In between our recording time. It has been. Uh, yeah. My study's got a bit hectic. Yep. Um, I even had to take time off work so I could try and <laughs> make sure I stay in front. How do you do that with your dad? Uh, dad's fine with it. Um, dad understands. Yeah, I've been telling him for years to retire anyway and he, I think in the beginning he was trying to hold on for my sake but mm-hmm. I get job offers all the time and I keep telling him, don't worry about me, like I'm fine. Um, and so when I started studying, he's been really good. Yeah, He's been really supportive. Well, that's good. So um, and I, it's the first time I've done it in three years, so he can't complain. <laughs> really, nah, as, as a pretty loyal employee, yeah. First time I've taken time off for studying, yeah, in three years. So he was alright with it. Oh, good. That's and, good. And I I done my neck in the middle of all that as well. How did you do that? Uh, just through work. <laughs> I've uh, which is you know the main reason why I'm getting out of concreting. Uh, I, I picked the timing perfectly because when I decided to start studying, my neck went and I've had ongoing neck issues <laughs> for the past three years. Yeah. So um, nothing serious, but mm. every probably six or nine months, my neck decides to just give up on me for a few <laughs> days. So um, been a hectic couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, couldn't record. Yeah. Uh, and we do we try, but it's just a case of just like you know, life's more important. We got to put that first and foremost. Yeah, unless um, uh, someone sponsors us again. Yeah. <laughs> As we always keep pitching out, you know, yeah. anyone that wants to give us money to do this, yeah, we'll do it. Um, so yeah, so today we're back, and we are going to be talking uh, kind of an evolution of something we discussed a few weeks back. We discussed music videos. Now we're going to go into. The longer format, we're going to go talk about some DVDs mm. and even VHSs. Yeah. If we had those back in the day of uh, various music uh, live performances or docos or whatever, really. Yeah. Anything music related. Yeah. Um, I love them. Absolutely yeah. love them. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was collecting them, essentially, yeah. how people collect vinyls. I was collecting music DVDs. Um, absolutely love them. I think they're the best thing ever. What well, what spurred that on? I'm actually not really sure. I think mm. um, I think it just came from because I didn't start playing drums until I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I was watching was VHSs and then eventually DVDs before that, and I was always obsessed with just watching bands and musicians perform. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, yeah, and even to this day. Say, for instance, you suggest me a band. I don't go to Spotify. I go to YouTube and look Mm -hmm. them up playing whatever song you suggested me or whatever album, playing something off that live because if a band isn't good or entertaining live, even if the CD is good, I tend to not really get that into them. Um, I don't know how collecting them came about. I just just kept buying them. Everyone had, you know, everyone had – Slipknot's self-titled album, yeah. CD or cassette. Yeah. I had Welcome to the Neighbourhood on VHS, which not many people, not many of my friends did. No, no, I can't say I did. Yeah, so it was kind of like a point of difference maybe to start off with as well. Yeah. But then I just got obsessed with them. I just love them. Yeah. Absolutely love them. It's, it's different for me because as, as I've kind of said in the past, like my parents – weren't huge into music when I was growing up. So for me, like the earliest recollection I have of having anything that's music related in like a video format 
is probably going to be your Peter Coombs and your Wiggles. Yeah. Like I didn't even consider DVDs until 20s. Yeah. Just because it would, you know, I'd rather have a CD because I can yeah. always listen. For me, it's a case I can always listen to it on the go. Yeah. You know, it's all well and good to have the music DVD, but you can't put that into your, your old Walkman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And walk around and listen yeah. to it. And you can't. Obviously, this is well, well before the days of like being able to watch something on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, YouTube wasn't a thing. No, God, no. It, it this, wasn't this, a thing. This at is all. this is like early 2000s, late 1999s. Yeah. It's, you know, being able to get around with just the CD of it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still bought CDs. I still yeah. bought all the albums. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, just, it's kind of like going a step further, I, I think, in my mind. And especially mm-hmm. growing up in Mount Gambia. Like bands don't go there. Oh no! You know we were never going to see Corn or Slipknot in Gambia, no. <laughs> and we were too young to travel to Adelaide or Melbourne to go see them. So the next best thing was go down to. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to go down to Disco Records and Tapes in Mount yep. Gambia, and if they didn't have it, I'd get them to order it in. But um, yeah, I'd go down there and. Get a DVD of VHS. Slight sidebar. We just slightly offer music DVDs, but I do remember us looking at them at this particular venue. You know Krypton Discs? Yeah. You know that became, I think it was like some coffee place. I think it was pure coffee. Mm. I, we, we both, this is Krypton Discs was in Glenelg. Uh, when we moved up to Adelaide, it was our go-to place, getting all our CDs and stuff, including some music DVDs, I'm sure. And then... Uh, it got bought out or changed owners, became a coffee shop. Coffee shop uh, had artwork on it from a local tattooist who did a couple of the tattoos on my body. He passed away, but his tattoo, his artwork on the wall stayed there. New owners came along, painted the entire venue, got rid of his artwork. So from now on I'm putting, I'm declaring vengeance on this place. I will never step foot in that store again. Yeah, that's. Crazy. I mean, I haven't been in there since it wasn't Krypton Discs. Yeah. I mean, um, it was a really, really good coffee shop. Yeah, I, I believe it. I don't, <laughs> I don't live that side of town, so <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was never, I was never there. Yeah. But um, Krypton Discs was great. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. when we lived uh, – I lived with mutual friends. Yeah. And uh, – which was out this way, and we used to always go down there. Yeah. You'd, you'd come along as well, and we'd go down – down the bay, go down Krypton Discs at like midnight because it was open till like midnight one. Yeah, it was open late. It so was we just... used to go down there and flick through CDs and you could listen to CDs. They yep. had the CD wall thing you could listen to. Um, it, it was very much like how I ever, if I ever ran a CD shop, it's how I would want it run. Yeah. It's for music fans. Mm. And, yeah, and just unfortunately, you know, Time evolves and, you know, everything evolves and we technology goes certain ways and, you know, CDs kind of go by the wayside a little bit. They're yeah. still there but I suppose, you know, so are music DVDs. Mm. Do you remember your first one that you ever? Um, well, the first one was VHS and I got Welcome to Our Neighbourhood, mm. Slipknot and Corn. Um, who Then Now on VHS. Um I don't remember. I think my I think my mum bought them for me. Mm-hmm. I was only like, I think it would have been ninety nine or something. So I would have only been like eleven, yeah, twelve, um, maybe even earlier. I can't remember. But um, <laughs> they were the two I I first owned. Um, yeah. How about you? Yeah. Um, that is a good question. I think the only one. I can remember distinctly owning would have been came as a CD DVD combination. That was um, Lincoln Park Live in Texas. Oh yeah, that is such a good DVD. Yeah, um, it's uh, but that's the only one that I can ever actually really remember having the DVD of. Yeah, because like I said, just never really. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like. That was years into my my collection. I mean, I own that one as well. That, that was years into my collection. But um, that would have been like two thousand four, two thousand five ish. Yeah, it was after Meteora. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember going. I just distinctly distinctly remember watching it at a cabin in Robe on a summer holiday. 
Sorry, in the background, my we're recording in my place today and we've got my cat, which is making noise, and my housemate who is mimicking the cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're just like, if you hear a strange noise in the background, it's either the cat or Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell I which fight. <laughs> yeah. Fight to the death. I'm just going to throw a knife out there. <laughs> yeah. There's a good chance Fluffy will win, but, you know. Um, as a concept, do you think they are a good idea for the artists themselves? I, I do. I still really believe that concept films, DVDs, mm-hmm. Blu-rays are still a good idea. Um, kind of harping back to the, the fact that we lived in Mount Gambia. Um, you know, some people don't leave Mount Gambia. Some people, um, you know, don't live near cities where uh, bands travel to. So yep. it, it is a good way to have your favourite band performing live in your lounge room. Um, yeah, and I think there's a lot that you can do with them mm-hmm. as well, um, which I think we're, we're seeing a bit more of now with live streams because of COVID. Um, yeah, I... I I personally, if there's a DVD, if which rarely happens now, but if mm. a band I like brings out a DVD, I usually get it still. I mean, I've moved on to Blu-ray, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but we, you're still getting, you're still collecting a hard copy of what they're putting out. Yeah, yeah, trying to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'm. It to, to me, it depends on what the artist is trying to achieve. Mm. Like. For some hours, it's just a matter of just getting their product out there, getting it for everyone to see. Um, it, I don't mind that so much. Like, if do you think? I phrase it in a way. Do you think there's a reason why? Then do you reckon the evolution of technology is the reason why there's just not as many these days? Yeah, I reckon that's the reason. Yeah. Um, especially with YouTube and people, you know, uploading full yeah. DVDs up onto YouTube, you know, you can just log on and watch it instead of having to buy it. Um, I also it's, feel... It's the same as the, like CDs and... Yeah. I also feel like, uh, you know, if we're, if we're being honest, some people's attention spans are getting shorter. Yeah, I don't think... But it's not a case of like somebody being... As, I think that's the case of just like people are more likely to be engaged... Fully immersed in something, if it's five to 15 minutes, then if it's an hour and a half, unless they're a truly diehard, dedicated fan. Yeah, I think I think it's the the trend of the music industry as a whole. You know, people aren't, or people, artists aren't putting out kind of fully well thought out albums anymore. I mean, there still is obviously bands mm. and artists doing it, but a lot of it has kind of shifted more towards just singles. Yeah. And, you know, once again, because of technology, because of Spotify, you know, especially all the big artists are putting out albums which are just single, 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 singles instead of, you know, a fully thought out, well um, designed album. And like you said, I think it's attention span is kind of the wrong word, but it's kind of the right way of explaining it. It's like... It's the layman way of saying it. Yeah, they're... They don't want to have to wade through stuff they don't like to yeah. get to the stuff they do like. Yeah. They just want they want that that instant gratification, yeah. and then move on to the next artist who will give them, yeah, I mean, the like, same gratification. Less, uh, like you know, because we're talking Slipknot, it's like no one's gonna really potentially want to hear, you know, uh, say eyeless. They want to go straight to. I'm just talking. Casually here, they're mm. going to want to go straight for Wait and Bleed. Yeah. They don't want to have to kind of wait that period to get to the Wait and Bleed song that they want. Yeah, yeah. You know? And um, I think I think we are seeing a bit of a comeback, but in a different form. I think uh, the live streaming, mm. even though majority of them aren't live, um, you're seeing that kind of visual mm. aspect of bands coming back in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, interestingly enough, I haven't seen any massive artists do it. Do a live stream. 
Like I'm not talking. Uh, like I'm talking pop stars. Didn't I know Dua Lipa done one? Didn't um. Didn't Swift do one? I don't know. I, I, I could have sworn either Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran did a live stream at some I mean, point. Possibly at, at some point last year. Not necessarily something that either of us, either of us would have watched. No, but I could have sworn one of them did it. Somebody, possibly. somebody did. Possibly. I know but, that there was also those uh, big live stream concerts. Yeah, there was like the, you know, stay at home. Yeah, heaps of artists doing acoustic versions from their homes. Yeah, or whatever. But you know, I've I've watched I think four of them now. Yeah. Um, but they're all bands. Yeah. And there's heaps of other bands who have done them who, you know, which I didn't watch. Yeah. But I haven't really off the top of my head. All I can think of was Dua Lipa. <laughs> yeah. And I can't really think of any more, which I, is interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, now that things are potentially returning back to normal, um, unless, of course, you live in India um, or Brazil or Japan, which seem to be going crazy at the moment with mm. COVID, um, it seems more people are getting out to back to the pubs, yeah. getting back to venues like we were at the Gov the other week yep. to watch you guys play um, and we were back surrounded by, you know, sweaty humans and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. So it was a case of like do you see bands continuing to do it once now that more things are open or do you think it was just kind of a flash in the pan to keep ourselves, I don't want to say relevant, but kind of. Yeah, 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 to stay in people's yeah. kind of mind. Um. I reckon we will see a drop in it, but I think you'll see some bands add it, add it to their arsenal of things they can do. Yeah, because it's been done. Like there's comedians doing it. Like Bill Burr just done a Adelaide, New Zealand stand-up show, yeah. and it was a live stream, and it was only to Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Um. So I think, I think it's just something they can add. It's like, all right, we can release a CD, a vinyl, cassettes mm-hmm. are coming back. And, you know, we can possibly do a live stream where we play the album in full or yeah. you know, whatever. Um, there are certain bands who I think it will suit more than others. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think we'll, we will see it continue yeah. but not at the rate it has been. Yeah. I think to me it's like all well, that's true but it's like there are kind of two things a band wants. That's to be known and like form to people and to also make some form of a living. What's going to give them the better chance to do that? Yeah. Is it to get back out into the pubs with people they're kind of, you know, you know, sort of bobbing their heads occasionally to the music as is a typical prog crowd <laughs> or uh, is it in front of like a nice computer or TV yeah. with headphones on or not headphones on with a nice sound system. Well, as a musician, it's going to be make you the more money to get out on the road. That's the best way to make money. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't your cost be a little bit lower if you just kind of got a nice setup at home? The cost would be lower, but I don't know how many people would be. Likely like, to Yeah, them. I don't know what the rate of, like I don't know what the live stream views mm. are like. Whereas, you know, if you're on the road, there's always the cost of driving things around, venue's got to take a cart, blah, 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 all these mm. sorts of things. So it's going to be that balance. It's just like, well, what's going to be best mm. for us? And like you said, there are certain bands that it's going to be mm. way better for. Mm. Um, I mean, to do a live stream, like the ones I've watched, they're all pre-recorded. Yeah. Um, and you're talking camera crews, venue hire, lighting rigs, video rigs, then you've got video editing and yeah. – all that stuff. So it, it's quite expensive to put on those things as well. Yeah. So, what are, um, just something that popped into my head when we were talk- discussing that is Twitch allowed some uh, some people to were doing concerts through there, um, doing some streaming off of that, showing, uh, but they also would set it to uh, subscribers only. Mm. So unless you paid their channel. Nine dollars ninety nine a month. Mm. You wouldn't be able to go along and see them play. Yeah, which is an option. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen bands do it, but 
I know there's a lot of drummers and musicians who have their own channels. Oh, which, huge. Which do that kind of stuff. And yeah, DJs are a big thing on yeah, there. The drummer from um, Between the Buried and Me has a channel. Um, and he, he just goes through and, you know, he'll either take requests yep. or he will play one of the albums through yep. and through. Uh, guy from <laughs> Panic at the Disco has one where he's video games and him singing. Yeah. Same with. Uh, Matt Heafy from Trivium. He's his video games and guitar playthroughs. Yeah. Uh, who is it? It's a good way to make money on the side. The, a little uh, side hustle. The dude who um, – oh, T-Pain. <laughs> T-Pain has been huge on Twitch. I've seen T-Pain live. <laughs> He's been huge. He has heaps of people to watch him. He's, and it's, it's probably oh, like him playing a variety of video games – Occasionally we'll do some rap stuff. It's just, yeah. it's great. I forgot that he was on there. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I think what's good about the music or about musicians is they always seem to find a way. Mm. You know, Twitch was made for video games, but then they realised, hang on, I can yeah. Give lessons. I can do playthroughs. I can yeah. do this. Sure, you're not making tons of money, but you know, yeah, you, you, it's, it's yeah. every dollar helps, and especially when you can't go out on tour, like I exactly. said, which is how you make your money. You don't make it through um, record sales anymore. No. You make it through touring and merch on the night that's bought. Yeah. Um, now, slightly off of the actual just music performance, how do you feel about? documentaries as such is there any that have are you because i feel a little bit nowadays uh we're a little bit society is a little bit immersed in kind of you know we all love those uh murder mystery documentaries that came yeah, through on netflix, netflix killer things. um you know they everyone loves those so they all everyone kind of likes a drama everyone likes controversy everyone likes a backstory yeah do you are you someone that enjoys those things, or do you feel like they're uh, harmful? I absolutely love them. <laughs> absolutely love them. Uh, like especially music docos. Like yep. I was saying off air before, I don't watch much television, but when yep. I do, it's usually documentaries, and ninety mm. percent of the time, they're usually music documentaries, if possible. Yeah, um, they're becoming quite. They're not coming rare, but not as many bands. Do them these days. Um, a lot of those music DVDs that I've bought, uh, they've either got a documentary with the concert or they're purely just documentaries by themselves. Um, it's it's kind of a bit weird. I guess social media has changed that a little bit as well because you can be friends with Matt Heafy on Twitch or subscribe to him and you can actually converse with him and find out information that way instead of having no idea about bands except for interviews and then they release a documentary and you're like, holy shit, did all that just happen whilst yeah. they recorded this album or were on tour? So um, documentaries have always fascinated me. I've always loved seeing the behind the scenes of how bands work, uh, you know, how, how their tours work, how they go in the studio, what yeah. the band dynamic is. I'm... Yeah, I'm a big sucker for a music DVD. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, yeah, there's been a few that have come th come through that I've enjoyed. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always a, kind of a little bit of a sucker for those. Uh, I, I generally fall into the darker realm, you know, with things. Like one of my favourite documentary series, uh, it's not music related, but it's Dark Side of the Ring. It's like... Yeah, that's a good series. Uh, all about the dark darker history of uh, wrestling mm. and the characters involved. So to me, I, I kind of always like that. So there's going back to something we said earlier, there's some of the videos that will come through on your Facebook feed, you know, those five to 15 minutes, mm. 15 minutes of, you know, why this band dumped some person, you know, and then like, I know that's just kind of like a sensationalist news story, but it still kind of has an aspect to it where mm. you can kind of, you know, there have been some good ones about corn recently, which I've ended up watching mm. at three o'clock in the morning. Cause I'm not sleeping. Um, but yeah, I can I do like those. I like those if they're done well. Like if they if they're clearly 
Because there's always a case where you're just like, well, how much does this is actually factored? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that the better, the best ones are the ones where you realise that your these idols of yours are mm. human. Yeah. And that, you know, there's always one Other human? fuckhead in the band. There's always one who's always pushing the band forward. There's always, like, it's, you know, in the back of your head, you know that that's the case with every band. But yeah. to see it, like, the, the, the great example is uh, Metallica, some kind of monster. Yeah, I'd actually completely forgotten about that. Like, that is, like, it's completely raw. Yeah. And, like, apparently when they showed him the first cut of it, James Hetfield work, walked out like halfway through and he was like, we can't show people this. Like they're going to think we're fucking idiots. And they're like, no, they're going to realise you're, you're human and like <laughs> this is how a band is. And then he got talked into it and ended up really liking it. But um, yeah, that's that's that kind of stuff really fascinates me. But then you have the flip side of it where you can watch something like, um, oh, I don't know. Supersonic by Oasis, that documentary. Yeah. And like you, it's hard to fathom just how famous they got when you see them like walk out at wherever they played Hyde Park or whatever and there's like <laughs> 100,000 people playing and, you know, they can't walk down the streets. Like it's just a, I think they're a really good insight to, to seeing how a band works. And for me adds something to the music as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 you start to build a little bit more of a connection with the band. Yeah. Not just through their music, but you can kind of see them as, you know, fellow musicians, etc. Yeah. I mean, and then there's just fucking hilarious ones, like Every Time I Dies. <laughs> it's just just them being dickheads the whole time <laughs> and it's hilarious. But um, it's real like that. <laughs> like, you know, nothing's fake. They're not trying to, you know big themselves up. They're just like, we're, we're dickheads and yeah. this, is, this is how we live <laughs> and it's hilarious and I love them. Good. All right. Let's talk about some of our favourite uh, DVDs. Okay. Uh, I'll get the ball roll, rolling with an easy one, uh, Slipknot's Disaster Pieces. <laughs> I, I purposefully left this one off because I knew you were going to talk about it and I'm, I'm happy to talk about it as well. I'm going to just leave it like that. I'm just going to preface this with my list. My list is going to be considerably shorter than Simon's. Because I, like I said, never been a huge DVD person, so mine's probably a little bit more. I don't want to say on the nose. Yeah, the the, the ones that pretty much everyone have come would have come across, but I liked them, so fuck off. That's all right. We can just we can just talk about them. Uh, yeah, Disaster Pieces is awesome. Yeah, it's such a great great concert. I have a, an actual story about that DVD. Mm-hmm. I um. Obviously, I, I had Slimnot IOR and uh, self-titled and they announced that that DVD was coming out and um, it was coming out, if I remember correctly, not long before Christmas mm. and what we used to do is we used to come up to Adelaide for Christmas so we, we'd spend it with mum's family and then, you know, we'd go off and see dad or whatever as well. And I asked mum, I'm like, I want, I want disaster pieces for my birthday. Uh, for Christmas and obviously Christmas day comes, get it for Christmas, yeah. absolutely pumped. I had breakfast or whatever and then I locked myself in my cousin's room at like 10 o'clock in the morning and watched the whole thing uninterrupted, ignoring all my family on Christmas day. Yeah, which is fair. And like I watched it on like because <laughs> no one had flat screens except for in the fucking lounge room back then and yeah. if you had money. So it was like a, a proper small TV one in the old bedroom. CRT TVs. Yeah. Yeah. So it was one of them. I had, you know, had it in the DVD player and I was just fucking gobsmacked. It's a brilliant one. Like, you know, you got things in there. The things that I enjoy, you know, Joey's drum solo with, yeah. with the uh, moving platform. Sid, uh, Sid has a solo in there. Yep. Um, the first time you see them do the, get the crowd to sit down during Spit It Out. Yeah. That was the first time yeah. anyone seen it unless you happened to go to a, a show in the, that tour. So yeah. like 
I mean, people just know that that's happening now, but back then that was just yeah not seen before. I, and I remember like not long after watching that DVD, I think they came through, and then like the, that when um when that comes in, you just like running around to everyone, just like sit the fuck down, get, get the fuck down. And I was like, what? And I was like, yeah. no, sit down. <laughs> and they had the uh, what was the other thing I did? Oh, they had every member had a camera yep. on their mask, so you you had like a point of view angle you could watch the show from yeah which is great from like 133 which is just head, head, <laughs> you, head, saw, head. you just saw blur for, yeah. <laughs> for an hour and a half but um just head banging <laughs> but even that like i mean it possibly had been done before mm. that but i remember that being like i remember going to school and everyone was like you can fucking watch watch it from joey's point of view and yeah and it was just it was great it was such a good fucking dvd and yeah. i think I think what also makes it good is that, um, I mean, Slipknot were huge on mm. that album. That took them to another level. But I think that performance was them realising their potential. Because if you watch anything before that, it was just, you know, a lot of uh, jumping, a lot of beating the shit out of each other and throwing stuff at yeah. each other, which was fine and great and we all wanted that. But then this one, they had a little bit of that, but then they also seemed to step it up a notch professionally and kind of thought about things and thought about the way they presented themselves and the way they wanted their show to look. And, you know, I mean, obviously Slipknot shows now is this huge travelling circus kind of thing, but that was like them realising, I think, that they are now arena, an arena-sized band and we can do these kind of things, which was Great, and to open with political shit like, and you know I loved it because yeah, it was the first time I heard Purity, and that's one of my favourites. Yeah, songs. yeah, I remember watching. Um, yeah, it was massive, massive. <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive DVD. I fucking I don't know anyone who didn't like that DVD when it came out. Uh, right. What's the DVD for you there, sir? Um, one that you know clearly will be different. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> change of pace straight up, straight off the bat. This is in no order. Um, plan B's grindhouse tour. So plan yeah. B, uh, for those who don't know, is a London rapper. Um, mm. he broke through on his second album, the defamation of Strickland banks, which, um, has actually little to no rapping on it. Essentially. <laughs> it was a lot of him singing and it's kind of like a neo soul R and B kind of album. Uh, so I have to explain this album and the next album for the DVD to make sense. So this album, the Strickland of, uh, the Defamation of Strickland Banks, is a concept album about a man named Strickland Banks who is a, who is a successful soul singer uh, who finds fame and is then sent, for a pri- uh, sent to prison for a crime he didn't commit. Um, the third album was essentially a soundtrack to a film he wrote and directed called Ill Manners, which is a hard-hitting grime hip-hop album. Um, The movie has been uh, described as a hip-hop musical for the 21st century. Uh, It tells the story of six or so characters fighting for respect and in some cases their lives in the gangster underworld of London. You've got two completely different concept albums, one after another. Two completely sounding, mm-hmm. different sounding albums. Now the DVD was filmed after the release of all of that. It was the tour for Ill Manners, which was the harder, grimy one. Yeah. Um, so the first half of the concert is um, a, a, the stage is set up relatively what most arena stages are set up. You know, big TV screens, uh, big video screens, cool lighting, and all the band are in suits like these really nice suits and they go through a lot of the Strickland Banks album all the soul stuff and he's singing and then it gets halfway through and they're playing their last song for that and credits start to roll through you know they've got videos of uh from the film clips and kind of continuing the story of the Strickland Banks um and it's filmed really well it kind of cuts him and out of the the video and the concert Mm. And anyway, the credits start rolling and then you see the front cover of Strickland Banks 
and then it gets torn in half to reveal ill manners and then it plays a completely different looking film of a drug bust. There's drug dealers on a street, cops run, they come through and, you know, they do a runner. And then the camera pulls back and there's street lights, like big street lights on stage, you know, dimly lighting the stage. And then they walk on stage and they're all in street clothes and then they play ill manners stuff. And like the the flip and like the dichotomy of like plan B's two different kind of fucking albums is just brilliant. Like the way he kind of presents presents it in one concert is amazing. And, you know, they go through all that and it goes from like, you know, they're all in suits, bopping, you know, playing soul music, you know, just dancing essentially, mm-hmm. the crowd singing and dancing. Then it goes to that and, you know, they're moshing and throwing guitars a mosh pit starts in the crowd, a circle pit starts, um, <laughs> like it just flips and it's amazing. And then like at the, you know, towards the end, they bring on flares on stage and they've got flares on stage and, a, you know, 20-odd masked hooligans run onto the stage from the crowd and like they just destroy the stage and the crowd's, you know, it's like a, it's like a Slipknot concert. They're all yeah. going fucking mental and... It's just so well filmed and the show itself was so well put together. It's just just one of my favourite DVDs to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a huge amount of Plan B apart from the couple of songs he's done with uh, Chase and Status. Yeah, I think Chase and Status come out for a song. Okay, cool. Your Manners. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's like the walk-off song, like once the, <laughs> the song, once the, the concert finishes because he's, I think he's done work with them before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he has, he said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, no, it sounds it sounds interesting. It sounds like the weird dichotomy of, you know, something a bit more calm into something a little bit more frenetic. Yeah, I mean, the the story of Strickland Banks is, you know, a pretty devastating one, but the music mm. is so nice. Like he he has like a he has a nice voice. It's it's he uses his falsetto a lot because he's obviously not he mustn't have been too confident in his <laughs> singing, but he sung the whole album um, and they're good songs. They're just good, you know, soul songs. And then, it, you know, that flip just kills you because yeah. you're just like, this is a great album, happy, and then it flips and then you're like fucking bouncing off the walls <laughs> in the lounge room. It's great. I love it. Good. All right. My next one is Iron Man's Rock and Rio. Mm. From mm-hmm. 2001. I know you're not a huge fan of... Uh, no, you keep telling me to watch it and I keep wanting to watch it, but... I think what makes this for me is where I would watch it. So our friend Jim, our mutual friend Jim, his dad is a old school metal fan, you know, loves Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin... Uh, Iron Maiden, all that, loves that stuff. So he uh, he would have like a really good sound system in his lounge. Yeah. You know, with speakers at the, in the roof and at the back and all this proper surround immersive uh, environment. And we would watch, you know, every couple of days we would watch Rock and Rio because we just had this full experience of this all this sound around us. And it just fucking... Is amazing. Yeah. You know, quarter of a million people at this gig. Mm. And they're just going mental. You know, everyone everything's on point. And you know, they they're just incredible musicians. You know, when they start playing uh Fear of the Dark, when it's the bass solo to start, it just sounds amazing. Um and it was like when I finally got to see Iron Maiden play at Soundwave. I was so pumped because I knew that, you know, their giant robot that they, they have, Eddie, yeah. the uh, skeleton thing would just come out. And so I was like, when it came out, I was like, oh, my fucking God, I've seen that in Rock and Rio. You know, this is like 15, 16 years later, but I'm like, oh, my fucking God, there it is. This is great. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's to me, it's just one of my all-time favourite DVDs. Just, you know, flows beautifully. Um, a couple of new songs on there from... Whatever I think was it Dance of the Death it was around that time I can't remember but they got a couple of new tracks on there but for the most part it all pretty much is you know 
their greatest hits mm, yeah. and it just fucking rules. Yeah, where you watch DVDs can make a big difference as well. Yeah. I remember watching um, <laughs> Drunkenly, yeah. me and a friend of mine went across the road to one of his friend's house and he was he was – he had money. Let's put okay. it that way. His parents okay. had money. Um, <laughs> and we proceeded to get him drunk. And then um, we're like, let's let's look through his his DVD collection. And his old man had Queen live at Wembley Stadium. Oof. And um, out of all the DVDs he had, most of them were shit. But we're like, Queen, we're, we're putting Queen on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he had the same thing. He had like this big theatre set up and we put it on there. I remember just being like, fuck, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is sick. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've heard a lot of people recommend that particular DVD. Um, like you said, I'm not a big Iron Maiden fan. That sound wave they came for, I actually didn't watch them. I went to watch Protest the Hero instead of Iron Maiden. Um, I mean, that's a life choice you can make, mate. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the singer from Protest the Hero, he's like, uh, Thanks for everyone for coming, but you're all fucking idiots because you're not watching Iron Man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> but uh, but you know, I never, I never got into into the quite that kind of uh, style. To be to be fair, it's not their biggest ever audience. No, the biggest ever audience was the 1985 Rock and Rio, where they had three and a half, uh, th- uh, three hundred fifty thousand people yeah. compared to two hundred fifty thousand for this recording. So obviously, slacking off. <laughs> You know, well, six, I mean, 16 years later. I've got a DVD, which is one of my favourites, um, Genesis Live in Rome on their reunion tour, and that's in front of 700,000. Yeah, that was a free concert, and it's ridiculous. Oh. That, that, that's a very fucking good DVD. Yeah. But All right, what's your next one? Uh, Obviously not that one. No, not that one. Uh, not really a change of pace, but um, I've gone Nine Inch Nails beside you in time. Okay. Uh, this came out in 2007. I know a lot of Nine Inch Nail fans prefer um, and all that could have been DVD, which has um, Danny Loner playing guitar and uh, what's his name? Frank Fink, Robert Fink, whatever his name. Um, back when, you know, they used to trash the stage <laughs> midway through the first song and do that and Trent Reznor was at his grumpiest <laughs> um, but uh, this is the DVD that really made me pay attention to Nine Inch Nails. I always liked them. I was like, mm. yeah, I kind of like, you know, I mean, I was <laughs> the first song I actually liked was The Perfect Drug, which all the Nine Inch Nails fans have probably just rolled their eyes at. But um, this was actually the DVD that got me into them properly. Um, and it's one of the only DVDs that I can think of that, Josh Freeze is on, who's my favourite drummer of all time. Mm. So, you know, that's an added bonus. Yeah. Um, it, it's also one of the first DVDs that made me pay attention to lighting and stage setups and videos. Um, let me shake my notes here. Uh, the video for Beside You in Time is phenomenal. They have like this netting that came down in front of the – the band, <clears throat> and it had like, um, what was it? It was like a liquid kind of webbing with holes in it, kind of just in front of the whole band. And then um, it gets to a point where the song breaks down and then it kind of starts raining what looks like white noise. And then as the song builds, the white noise kind of gets um, – kind of starts to solidify and then it becomes this blanket of white, like just this white panel. And then as the song kind of goes into the big drop thing, Trent Reznor picks up his mic stand and hits the hits the netting and then it explodes in that that point and like shards off. And it's just like it I just remember thinking, how how <laughs> do they do that? <laughs> how is that like how does it look so good? But like it's just phenomenal and, you know, you still get, a, you know, a couple of moments where Trent Reznor goes back to his old self and throws something and trashes a fucking table and throws a drink at an amp because he's pissed off or whatever. But it's also so good sounding because you've got Josh Freeze on drums, you've got 
uh, Twiggy was playing bass for him then. That's mm. when he left Perfect Circle and went to Nine Inch Nails or Perfect Circle stopped playing for a bit. Um, you know, they just sound so good and it's filmed so well. Um, yeah, it was one of the, like I say, one of the first DVDs that made me really stand up and notice Nine Inch Nails and stage setups. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just, I think if you like, if you like industrial, you should probably, <laughs> probably like Nine Inch Nails. But for me, it's their, their best DVD. Yeah. I think my next DVD, which is very similar, is first time I kind of really noticed, like, I mean, having a stage presence oh, yeah. as such and, like, what you can do visually. And that was um, Placebo's uh, Soulmates Never Die. Yeah, it's a good one. I got that. Yeah, it's a fucking great one. Um, you know, it comes out. Uh, 2003, so um, Meds hasn't come out yet, so it's just off the back of um, uh, what sort of Soulmates? Is that Soulmates? No, no, that's one of the tracks. Yeah. Um, uh, Sleeping with Ghosts. Sleeping, yeah. I was <laughs> like, I know that I can picture it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Sleeping with Ghosts, that album. So it's around that time um, and it's just kind of, it's going to sound weird, but it's kind of beautiful. Like they present it really well. Mm. Um, it starts off with one of my favourite starts of all time. It's just like a giant sheet with music, with no music, with lights projecting the band up onto it and then it just drops and then there's the band because they're playing um, uh, Bulletproof. Yeah, that's um, right. Which is just their straight up instrumental track. Um, it's just got an awesome sound to it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they just kill it. Yeah. Once again, uh, I was always like, yeah, Placebo, pretty good. I liked the hits, but that was kind of about as far as I got. And then I watched that DVD and I was like, oh, shit, they're, they're wicked. They're awesome. Yeah. And then then I started <laughs> getting into Placebo probably. But I, I don't know, it's something about live. Like you, it does something for me. Yeah. Like I said, it can turn me from, oh, yeah, I like, I like a couple of Placebo things to me being at the barricade at Soundwave to watch them. Yeah. So I was like, I need to see Placebo. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the way they present it. Present, I was like, oh, I didn't see it in this particular light in my head because obviously I hadn't visualised it. Mm. So uh, what's your next one? Um, <clears throat> let's go Let's go for something different. Uh, Jeff Buckley, live in Chicago. Uh. It's at the that's the that's just the stage one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one that he was known for. What was that the, sorry? Is that the one? That's the, that's the main one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, so I've seen that one. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just nothing but the band on stage. They're playing in a theater. Um, you know, really minimal lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, very intimate. In fact, it's pretty well lit. Like they haven't, like they've forgotten to turn the lights off kind of thing. Like it's just there. Um, but I think that's the the beauty of the, the thing is the focus is solely on just the band playing. Um, it obviously helps showcase the phenomenal talent that Jeff Buckley was. Um, you know, uh, there's improv bits in it where – you know, he'll just just play guitar, do whatever, do vocal warm-ups. Then, you know, he'll do vocal gymnastics in songs, which isn't there. He'll scream in songs, which isn't there. There's feedback. Um, you know, it's all there. And the beauty of it is is it, just because of the way it's filmed, which kind of in a way is poorly. It's really 90s. There's some <laughs> weird like, you know, those tilted angle. yeah you know, views, but it it's just, it showcases them live so well, I think. Um, and not just Jeff Buckley, it, it showcases the other musicians as well. Um, you know, it would be very easy, it being Jeff Buckley's band, to have the camera on Jeff Buckley the mm-hmm. whole time. I mean, it is predominantly on him, but they do, you know, share it around. You know, yeah. if there's, if the guitarist on the other guitarist is doing something cool. It will cut to him instead of Jeff Buckley and things like that. Um, it's the most basic DVD and yeah. it's 
brilliant because it of is, it. Yeah, it's very you feel like you're a part of it. It's very inti- yeah. it's a very intimate setting. Um yeah. You you could you could almost picture yourself you pick that up, place that at like Feminine Theatre. Yeah. Sitting there watching that, you're just like, yeah, I can I, I see this. Yeah. And you can it's you know, during some parts it's like you can hear the crowd talk. Yeah. Like it's just so intimate and so yeah. just and raw. solely focused on the band. Um, um like production wise, like <coughs> the, the sound's great. It's, oh, the sound's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's like even though we you know everything's stripped back, mm. the the audio quality is brilliant. Yeah, it's still, you know, still great quality yeah. audio. The film is perfectly fine. It's just filmed in the nineties. <laughs> you know, so you know what I'm talking about with those yeah. weird camera just for no reason. <laughs> they just tilt the camera. Um but yeah, it's 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 brilliant, and it um was it was another DVD where I went. All right, I get Jeff Buckley now. Yeah, because I remember the singer in my band um, was big into Jeff Buckley at this point, and um, we used to play Eternal Life. Um, so I knew Eternal Life. I liked that. Everyone knows Hallelujah. But that was it. I was like, yeah, cool. Like I, I don't need to know much more Jeff Buckley. But then. You know, he showed me the DVD and I was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, I went Jeff Buckley live in Chicago. Uh, now, my last one, because like I said, not many to choose from. It's one that I'm really going to need your help with. Okay. See what I can do. Do you remember American Head Charges Can't Stop the Machine? I have that. That was kind of a doco. Doco, which then had and, sliced in. Live. Music clips wasn't it? yeah, but it was. Well, it wasn't. They did have film clips, but they slice in live performance. Yeah, that's sorry. That's yeah, what yeah. I mean. Um, and there was after the death of the guitarist, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Because they yeah they speak about it. Yeah, I remember that. Like that 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 one kind of resonates with me a bit. Yeah. Um, again, timing wise of like when I saw it was, you know, around the Krypton Discs era that we were uh, watching it. Was it. Probably my yeah. day <laughs> we were watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just. It's just really interesting to talk about, like, because I went back and I love American Head Charge. Yeah. One of the most underrated new metal bands of all time. Yep. And going back and I went back and was looking at a bit of the history when I was trying to remember this DVD and, like, you know, how close the band just came to completely imploding. You know, three members of their band were, like, you know, <laughs> heroin addicts. In, yeah. In rehab. Um, yeah, the guitarist uh, overdosed. Mm. Um, and yeah, just the band kind of you talking talking about it. One of the key things I remember about the DVD is Cameron, the lead singer. Yeah, they must have been filming at his property or something, and it's just so kind of. I think I know <laughs> what you say. It's just so interesting because one moment they're having you standing there having a conversation. They cut to something. Next moment, he's up a tree having a conversation <laughs> with them. Cut to something else. Then he's on the ground, like yeah. just like, is it, has he fallen out of the tree? What's he I mean, doing? He, he was one of the ones in rehab for a bit, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, I think he was. He's, but, he's, um, he's still alive. They're uh, they're back together and have brought out new stuff, which yeah. is very not good. Yeah, and their bassist passed away as well. Oh, really? Yeah, that was 2017. Yeah, yeah, but. I if you're into new metal, you should check out those those first two albums. Yeah, uh, War of Art and uh, The Feeding. Yeah, brilliant. two absolutely insane brilliant. albums. Um, yeah, but I would recommend just checking this because it's one of, again. It goes back to one of the ones we were talking about earlier, talking about the backstory of the band a bit mm. more. Um, you know, kind of they discuss the guitarist's death. They discuss sort of a few different things, and yeah, it's you know then you've got. Good new metal just spliced in. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a brilliant one. I remember, yeah, because I think our mutual friend Tom mm. introduced me to American Head Charge that he year, loved them that year, and I couldn't find their album, but I could find their DVD. So I was like, well, I'm buying the DVD, yeah. which had it came with a CD, which I think had remixes on it. I want to yeah. say. Um, Maybe a couple of live, live uh, tracks, but the DVD was uh, killer. I was so happy with it. 
Yep. Now, what is your well, next one? Well, look, I'll I'll do a couple of shout outs. Yep. And then uh, I got two, but I might just speak. Oh, I'll speak of those two because they're both great. But right. just a couple of shout outs. Uh, Incubus HQ. Uh, there's a heap of Incubus ones, but that one's <laughs> great. They just. Well, yeah, they did live at Red Rocks, didn't they? Yeah, that's. I a, forgot about that. Shit. That's a great DVD. But the Incubus HQ one is. Um, they recorded it after, if not now, when, and they just pretty much hired like an art studio and then um, just sat up, uh, set up in the middle of it and then you just bought tickets and you just stood around the band as they played and they've done it for like three or four nights and they played uh, just a whole bunch of their stuff. So it's just that and that's just cool. Uh, the two, two Muse ones, Muse Hullabaloo and yeah. Muse Harp, which is at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Uh, Hullabaloo is just fucking, fucking phenomenal. That was when they were crazy and going all over the shop. And Is that the first time that he did the beat shuffle thing? Or was that in Harp? Do you remember? No, I think that's in the Absolution one where they play Glastonbury. Uh, okay. I think. Um, Hullabaloo, yeah. Hullabaloo, uh, yeah. Hullabaloo is just fucking great. Wembley is... For me, them at their peak. Uh, the aforementioned Genesis went in Rome, Police Synchronicity concert. Uh, Metallica's s and I really, really like. Yeah. Uh, Butterfly Effects DVD is fantastic. Um, I've tried to steer away from docos on this list yeah, because I think we can do one just docos. Uh, Family <laughs> Values 98. Uh, Justin Timberlake live from Madison Square Gardens. Um, yeah, so they're just a couple great ones. Um, so I'll quickly go through two more. Yep. <clears throat> so obviously I couldn't have an episode without mentioning Ocean Size. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of a bit of a cheat. It's a box set uh, Boo. called Feed to Feed. Uh, so up until that point they had three albums, Effleurus, Everyone Into Position and Frames. And... This box set is them playing each album in full three nights in a row at a little place called Manchester Roadhouse, which holds about 200. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love all three of those albums and to see them perform them all in full is (laughs) a dream come true. Uh, But, yeah, like I said, it was filmed, uh, they're from Manchester, so it was filmed at the Manchester Roadhouse and this. The venue is so small that the stage is so low that the camera from behind the crowd, which kind of shows the full stage, mm. the kind of views obstructed by people's heads. So like <laughs> it, like it's just this cool little intimate show. Um, it kind of just adds to the beauty and the cult-like following that the band now has. Um, that just uh, made me think of that when you said they play three albums in a row of the uh, Opeth. Oh yeah, um, where they do one, where they do lamination and yeah, lament lamentations is it called laminate? Not laminations. Yeah, lamentation. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, lamin- I've, I've laminated. Got <laughs> <laughs> I've got it, and I can't think of the name of it. They Lam- mean damnation and deliverance. Yeah, no, but the DVD is called oh okay, Lam- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. lamentations or something. I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I remembered another one. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. Yeah, so it's once again <laughs> no bells and whistles. Like yep. I said, they, the the venue couldn't even accommodate the bells and whistles if they wanted. Um, it's just the five of them being the brilliant bastards that they are. I was lucky enough to buy one when it came out. Um, they there's only uh, fifteen hundred of them. Yeah, and I bought one, and I was lucky enough to meet Mike Renard, the singer, and get him to sign it. So I've got this. Beautiful box set signed by him. Um, I Yeah, it's just fantastic. My favourite band doing three of my favourite albums. And lastly, uh, which we kind of mentioned live streaming and I've watched this band do two of them and both of them were brilliant because they were made for the visual medium and that's Pussifer's What Is Pussifer? (laughs) (laughs) so it starts off with like a 10-minute monologue. Uh, Maynard 
pulls a camper trailer onto the stage with him as he walks on the stage is completely bare. He pulls on this camper trailer, puts it at the back of the stage, <clears throat> and then he um pulls, opens it up, pulls out a music box, sits it down at the front of the stage, starts his monologue, winds it up, hits a key, and the music starts playing. He continues his monologue. He then continues to keep going in the camper van and bringing out stuff. He brings out deck chairs, a little table, some wine. Keeps going on. Oh, yeah, hopefully Australian, South Australian wine. <laughs> keeps on going about, you know, keeps on with his monologue. Uh, you know, he knocks on the camper trailer door eventually and asks for Karina Round to come out, who's uh, one of the singers in Pussifer, and asks him to give him a hand to set up a hippie circle thing, as he calls it. Um so he continues the monologue as the music plays and she's helping him set up. The monologue is about sustainability and ultimately how at one point in our history the artistic and uh, utilitarian were in perfect balance and that we should be trying to achieve that again and that is what Pussifer is. Uh, they then pull out the drum kit on the back of a trailer and they're like, all right, well, we need some hippies now. So he, he calls out to the band and asks them to be hippies for his stage show and then they come out and set up their own gear and then they kind of just start the show. It's a brilliant way to start <laughs> a show because it sets up the mood for the yeah. rest of the night. Um, you know, they're all fantastic musicians. Um, so this, this is a completely live stream. So this, this no, is, this isn't live stream. This is a DVD. This was... Oh, this is the DVD. Yeah, this is the DVD. Well, I just mentioned live stream because I watched uh, two of them. Yeah, sorry. I got confused a second because I'm like, why would you go to all that effort for a live stream? No, they, they went into a lot of effort into the live stream as well. But um, no, this is the DVD. This is... Yeah. Oh, God. Can't even remember when it came out. A while ago. Yeah, 2017 maybe, something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, he's... I've, Pretty sure I've read in interviews that uh, Pussifer was always meant to be uh, like have a strong visual aspect about it. It's meant to be for theatre essentially, not for concerts. Um, I think it's a perfect way for them to start a show. Like I said, it sets the mood for the whole night and the rest of the evening. Um, once again, it's just. I guess that makes sense because we because we saw. Pussifer at a Soundwave. Mm. And they were good, but this sounds like it would be way better. Yeah, I mean. And like as you're saying, con- uh, uh, theatre over concert. Yeah, and, you know, the live streams were the same. So they'd done their new album, Existential Reck- Reckoning, I think. Mm. Um, that was the first live stream they'd done and they'd done it. Uh, there's, I can't remember for the life of me what the place was called, but there's this... um. A, a artist wanted to build a town in the middle of a desert. Yeah. And the buildings were sculptures, but they were like in the ground, kind of coming out mm. of the ground, and these kind of these big mm. concrete monolithic looking things. And, you know, every few years, other artists go there and build these new building sculptures. They filmed it all in there on this fantastic looking stage where it was kind of no, none of the musicians could see each other. It was like a yeah. big T thing and then the other one they'd done they'd done for their album before it called money shot which they had um what are mexican wrestlers called Uh, yeah it was that was the theme for that album so Mm. they had like um what does he do maynard dressed as um billy d which is one of his characters walks into a pub and gets shit faced and accidentally starts a fight with them where they knock him out and then he dreams kind of this concert but like the concert's uh, there's it's like a big room, and the bands are all on the stay on the floor, and there's an, a wrestling ring. Yeah, and you know them two end up in there, and then wrestlers come in, and like it's, it's yeah, just it's Pussifer are fantastic, and I'd love to see them again. Yeah, <coughs> in an, in probably in, if, in person would be good. Yeah, <laughs> in theater form probably. In, yeah, not at a festival. Yeah. So while you're doing that, I would just check. It is Opeth uh, Lamentations. Lamentations. I, yep. knew, I couldn't think of the word. If you want, you can buy a copy of it off of uh, eBay from this one gentleman who is selling it 
for the uh, pretty reasonable price of uh, $98.88 or four payments of $24. $98? Yeah. Apparently he's calling it super rare. I don't know. Fuck, what can like, I sell it and get a hundred bucks for it? <laughs> I've got it. It's just well, sitting. He, it's just sitting in my fucking <laughs> lounge room. Somebody else is also <laughs> selling it for twenty bucks for free shipping. Yeah, so, that other guy's a dick. Unless it's signed. Unless you're not reading it, probably. It doesn't say anything about the signature. Oh, I was gonna say. It. I reckon I got mine for like fifteen bucks. I reckon yeah. it was in the discount bin, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> discount. That's sick. That's like one of the. That's well, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's a fucking brilliant DVD. Alrighty, so yeah, so there's some DVDs for you to go check out. Um, of course, we would love to hear what you think. Mm, I reckon we should do a Doco Epo. Yeah. Doco Epo. We'll Doco call Epo. it a Doco Epo. We'll do all of no, Sorry. Do- <laughs> sorry. Uh, yes, we will definitely uh, look into doing that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, you can contact us uh, Facebook.com/slash Ultra of Noise. Uh, you can check out Simon's Band at facebook.com slash The Unset. You can check me out on Twitch uh, occasionally. Haven't been on there much lately, just life. Life. Yeah. Uh, but twitch.tv slash maddogwilesy. Stupid cat. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, we will uh, stay safe, everyone, and we will see you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.